This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. and amazing. We're going to do something different today. And some of y'all are probably used to this because we've done it in the past. And some of you are probably not used to this. Uh, We have six amazing people from our church that's actually going to step up today to share the word. Uh, We've been in a series on on the gospel according to Matthew. And uh, we do this from time to time where we call it six in six. And we have six people from our church. And here's what I want to do. I want to invite those six people up, okay? So you guys can make your way up. And as these guys come up, would you cheer them on? Would you give them a big God bless you? Would you tell them that we love them, we value them, and we can't wait to hear what God has in store through them? So, uh, man, uh, these people are people that willingly and uh, said, hey, we would love to share God's word. And as you guys know, we have been in a series in the gospel according to Matthew. And last week it got started in Matthew chapter 8. But this Sunday we're going to backtrack, go back into Matthew chapter 7. Anybody wants to take pictures? Man, doesn't this look so amazing? Man, they're ready. They're ready to go. Amen. It's going to be awesome. Okay. So uh, we, this group has been praying over Matthew 7. And uh, what they're going to do is we're going to break down the entirety of Matthew 7. Uh, from Matthew, the first verse in Matthew 7 to the last verse in Matthew 7. And this is something that we'll keep doing. Why do we do this? Let me just break that down for you. It's because it aligns with our vision of our church. Uh, The vision of our church is the Great Commission. It's to commission people. It's to send people. It's to equip people. It's to give people the tools necessary to go and be the voice, to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. So you'll find us doing this a lot. And if you're not up on stage, you soon will be. Uh, I just want to let you know that. So no evading, no escaping. Rebecca, get ready, right? Uh, Are you Billy? I don't know. He's like, oh, he's just, he, he covered his, like, lowered his head as soon as I said, Rebecca, anybody here, I'm not going to call your names, but y'all better get ready because I'm going to call up on y'all. And no matter how shy you are, no matter how reserved you are, uh, man, I believe that God has a word in store for everybody through these amazing people. You might not hear them every Sunday, but I know that today, as they bring the word, I believe the Holy Spirit has the ability to speak through them. Amen. And I pray that we will be attentive. They need your support. I want to tell you something. Standing up here is one of the most intimidating things that can ever happen to a human being, okay? When you have somebody stand up here, the lights on your face, and a hundred-something people watching you Sunday after Sunday, man, I've been doing this for 20-something years, and I still freak out on Sunday mornings, okay? So I cannot imagine how scared these guys are. They don't look like it. They're, they're putting on a brave front. But, but I know that they've been praying for this day, okay? We have been praying. We have been seeking God's face. Uh, they have been preparing. Uh, man, they've turned their notes into me, and I've been reading, and I'm like, wow, this stuff is good. Like, they, they're ready. But I believe they need your support. They need your prayers. So don't just sit there, stare at them. All right? Don't just sit at them and intimidate them with your blank stares and your looks. Can we, can we agree to that? Can we, can we push them forward? Like, can, we, can we say amens? Can we, can we, when, when they say good points, say, come on, preach, Aaron, preach. Come on, am I talking to somebody? We're here to support them, okay? Let's pray for them, guys. Let's close your eyes. Let's stretch your arms towards them, and let's pray for them today. As they bring God's word, we're going to pray that God's word comes in power and comes in might. Father, today... I bless these six people. Lord, I pray, Lord, for each one of them. As they go verse by verse and dissect the word of God for us. I pray for Aaron and Priya. I pray for Stan and Miss Beverly and Eric. And I pray, God, for Princey. I pray, God, that the word of God will be so relevant today. It will come alive in such amazing ways, God. I pray, God, that these familiar passages of Scripture that we have learned over the years will become a new revelation to our hearts in this season, today, as we hear your word, as we take notes, as we lean in. Holy Spirit, would you do a work inside of us? And I pray, God, that you will do what only you can do. Lord, I pray, God, for changed hearts. I pray for transformed hearts. I pray, God, that you will do something amazing in this place that we have never, ever seen before. Speak through your people. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Guys, these guys are going to bring the word to us. Each of them have six minutes, okay? As soon as they hit six minutes, starts y- start yawning, okay? No, I'm just kidding. Don't, please don't do that. All right? If they need to go over, they will. But, but they have six minutes to speak, and I believe that God is going to speak through them. Aaron, would you come and start things off for us? Oh, man. I'm extremely nervous. If, if my voice cracks, don't, don't laugh at me. Um, before I get started, huh? I uh, appreciate it, Pastor. Uh, before I get started, I just wanted to ask a quick question. Um, there, see, my voice just cracked. <clears throat> Who here has gone camping before? Just a quick show of hands. Camping. Okay, that's actually a good amount of y'all. I didn't expect that. Um, can y'all just blurt out some essentials of camping? I'll start off. A tent is, is a big essential of camping. Flashlight. A what? A camper, okay. Sleeping bag. Firewood, you're, I'm get, you're getting close to the answer I want. Well, fried chicken, that's good, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll just say the answer. To me, the most es- essential part of camping is campfire itself. It's like what brings everybody together. And um, it's what like, you know, it's, it's the joyous time where someone's on the acoustic guitar or someone's making s'mores, you know, Hershey's and marshmallows and stuff like that. And um, the reason I made this analogy and I wanted to ask you this question is because after the fire is done, we usually put out the fire, right? No one just goes to sleep with the fire on. Safety hazards, forest fires and stuff like that. But in the morning, after you smother it, you'll see embers. You'll see little flakes of like uh, dried up wood that you can still see like the red char on. And that char resembles in our Christian life the residual sin once we get, once we get saved that we, um, that we tackle for the rest of our lives. And one of the ways that we smother this residual sin is through righteous judgment from our fellow believers. So the passage that I'm responsible for is Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 through 6. Um, I'll read verse 1. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged also. Um, Judgment in the word Greek is the word krisi. Um, The definition is, which is uh, a decree, condemnation of wrong, the decision, whether severe or mild, which one passes on to the faults of others. Um, Which leads me to slide number one. Um, I won't read the slide because I'll get to it later on in my point, but the word judgment has some bad connotations in today's society. Um, we hear the word and we think, oh, it's something someone says when they don't like me, or um, it's, so, it's when someone is sentencing me to an unfair punishment that I don't really deserve. Um, I want to present judgment in a biblical manner. Judgment is actually necessary and vital in a Christian's life. Uh, when our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ approach one another about our sins, there's actually healing and unity that takes place. This is countercultural compared to what society thinks about judgment, which society thinks it's isolation and it's the outcast mentality. The problem arises is when judgment is misused and twisted from condemnation and strokes of personal ego. Um, Verse one also shows us that the standard we use to judge will also be used on us. I won't read these next verses, verses three and five, um, but I will go over them just a little bit in detail. These couple of verses, they speak on the hypocrisy of of unrighteous judgment. Unrighteous judgment will always look past the personal sin and will judge that same sin on someone else. Here's a practical takeaway from this portion. If you see someone that is struggling with the same same sin you are, just because it may look like you're floating a little bit, you may seem like you're doing better, doesn't give you the authority and the right to go judge someone, intervene on their behalf, and tell them what to do. There are other spiritual people in their places in your life that both of you guys can go to and seek for help. I want to read, um, which brings me to slide number two. Um, if y'all read this, don't give your Jordans to a guy that wears Crocs. Uh, I'll read verse six, so I, I'll put it in a, in a little bit more context. This is verse six. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. Uh, I chose this title because I know we have some sneakerheads at church here. Uh, I know, well, I'm not going to say any names, but you guys spent a lot of money on shoes, which I personally won't. I'm not a sneakerhead like that. Uh, but I want to I emphasize this one brand. Everyone here has heard of Jordan's famous Nike brand, Michael Jordan, you know, his own shoe line. So Jordan, a couple years ago, recently uh, collabed with the designer company Christian Dior, and they released a shoe called, what's well, literally called the Jordan Christian Dior High Top Ones. And they retail for $700. 
So it's a $700 pair of shoes, and I want to imagine everybody here that bought those shoes. So each one of y'all spent $700 and bought them. If you see a guy that wears Crocs, right, every single day, and he asks you, hey, guy, hey, bro, can I, can I, um, can I uh, borrow your shoes for like a week or something? This guy mows the lawn with his, with his shoes. He washes his car with the shoes. He goes grocery shopping, goes to the gym, right? He's going to get creased up. He's going to give it back to you. And it's going to be worth a dollar, right? You're going to go to McDonald's and trade it for a McChicken. None of that. That's all you're going to get for those shoes after it's done, you know? The reason why I said this is because um, this analogy talks about, or this verse talks about not giving counsel and judgment to people that don't really value your words, right? I'm not going to go to someone that doesn't want to hear what I have to say, regardless of if I'm, in, if I'm in his good graces or not. If I know I'm coming from a biblical standpoint, the judgment, the criticism, the, the, uh, the, 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 the character judgment that I have on the person, he's not going to hear it because he's not in the right headspace, Right? Here's a quote that I heard when prepping for this speech. If you throw a pearl to a pig, he will resent it as if you had just thrown a common stone at him. Um, in conclusion, I wanna wrap up with this. It's dangerous to say that Jesus told Christians to never judge. It's honestly twisting of his words. Christians should judge, but they must do so humbly with the gospel and truth at the center and confront sin with mercy as Jesus did on the cross almost 2,000 years ago. We Christians are naturally countercultural. We weren't made to perfectly fit on this earth like a puzzle piece. We are a buzzsaw to the society's ideologies, groupthink, and lifestyle. Let everything that we say, let everything that we do, let it be from the word of God, which is the truth. With that, I would like to con uh, conclude uh, with, a, with a quote from St. Athanasius of Alexandria. If the, if the world is against the truth, then I am against the world. Thank you, guys. How are we doing this morning? Good. Guys, I'm really nervous. Gosh, this is really intimidating to stay here. <laughs> okay, um, so I'm gonna be reading from Matthew 7, verses 7 through 8. Um, Osh did assign me 7 through 12, but I'm just gonna speak on 7 and 8. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead. Um, it reads, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I want us to pay attention to three words in this passage, which are repeated more than once, ask, seek, and knock. Right out the womb as babies, we're already asking for things. You know, the baby needs a diaper change, the baby needs to be sleep, or needs to sleep, you gotta feed it. Then as they get older, as toddlers, they're still asking for things, and we, as parents, and I'm sure there are a lot of parents here, you tend to give it to them immediately. You know, they don't have to do much. They can cry, you're giving it to them. As teenagers, when we ask for things, we might get a little hesitation from our parents, especially when we ask for things, going out with our friends, staying out late at night, sorry mom and dad, trying to stay out past curfew, things like that, and then we tend to get some sort of push and pull. And then as adults, now we get to, literally, when we want something, we get it. We can do those things. But sometimes as adults, not even sometimes, most of the time, you have to make really hard decisions. You know, these decisions impact the rest of your life. In your 20s, you're asking, well, what do I get a degree in? What do I major in? Then next thing you know, you're asking, is this a person I should marry? Is it not? Is, do I need to get a house? Do I need to get a car? All these are super important questions. And sometimes we're faced with a crossroads where well, who do I ask? Yes, we have our spiritual leaders and we have those in our life that we can ask these questions to and they will guide us. But the most important person is God that we can ask and he gives that guidance and he will give us that understanding. And with God, you can ask for anything, anything under the moon. He will not judge you, he will not rebuke you. I'm sure we've all heard the phrase, there are no such thing as dumb questions. Some people might agree with that. Some people might disagree with that. If you know me and you know the relationship that I have with my dad, and you know my dad, there are such things as dumb questions. <laughs> so when I have a question, I gotta check myself at the door before I go and ask him. Because he will probably laugh in my face or he won't even answer me. But with God, you can approach God with any of your needs, any of your desires and questions. And in James 1.5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, 
Let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So that first thing is ask. The second thing is seek, abiding in Jesus, dwelling in his presence. Seeking Jesus means getting to know Jesus, which looks like reading the scripture, worship, serving, um, fasting, committing personal time to the Lord. That's like seeking Jesus is sacrificing our personal time to build a relationship with him. It might not be, so it could be maybe as simple as just driving in the car and talking to him. But simple things like that, driving in the car, building that relationship with him, spending and cutting out personal time in your life for him is seeking him. It's abiding in him, seeking his guidance in every aspect of your life. Um, I was having lunch with my girlfriends this week and I was telling them about this message I was um, supposed to speak on and we talked about Mary and Martha. And the story goes, you know, Mary and Martha, they're in their house and Jesus is coming to visit and Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, just completely just enamored by his presence, soaking up every single word that he has to say. Whereas Martha was busy cooking and cleaning and doing everything in the world and she got so frustrated with Mary and she complains to Jesus and she's like, Jesus, like, Mary's not helping with anything. Like, tell her to do something. And the Lord goes to her, Mary, or Martha, why are you worried? Why are you upset about so many things? But only one thing is needed. And he's talking about the Lord. We are worried about so many things in our daily life and we're all so scatterbrained all the time and doing this, this, and this but are we actually taking the time to be in his presence and to learn from this God that we talk about so much? We come to church and we do that on a Sunday. What about Monday or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? What are we doing in that time? So I wanna ask you, when we go back to Jesus with all of our worries, our thoughts and our questions, are we ever just sitting in his presence and allowing him to do what he needs to do, what he's already done, what he's already fought for you, are we just letting him do what he needs to do? In John 15, seven, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. In Psalm 37, four, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. That's step two. Step three, knock. And this is where faith is an action. This is where your faith comes into play. This is where now you trust him. Trust this God that you grew to have a deeper connection with and deeper relationship with. Take all your questions to him and he will answer them. Just like Ashish mentioned earlier, sometimes we're faced with so many closed doors and now you're standing in front of this closed door that God put in front of you. You get to knock and you get to take that step forward and you get to take that leap of faith. So my reminder to you is God is a loving father who has a beautiful, beautiful plan for our lives. He's won all of our battles for us and he's willing to bless us when we come to him with faith and trust. I'm a student, I like formulas, I like diagrams. So I put together a little formula for you guys. Ask for things and about things, seek, abide in Jesus, and then knock. And that's where your faith and trust come in. So ask, seek, knock. Thank you, uh, Priya and uh, Pastor Ashish. You, you guys preached half of my message, so <laughs> I don't know what to say. Uh, for the next 20 minutes, no. <laughs> okay. Um, have you ever wondered why you are here on earth? Ever? Show of hands, please. Why, was, why, is, why has God created us? Why are we here? I want to talk to graduates. I want to talk to folks who are, you know, at crossroads in your careers um, about the calling of God. And my passage, um, when you read it, it's not a whole lot to deal with calling, but I'm going to read it. Uh, it's Matthew 7:13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate 
is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter choose to enter it. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. I want to emphasize on two words. One is enter in verse 13 and then find in verse 14. I've read these passages so many times, I bet you have too, and I've never recognized that verse 13, it says enter by the narrow gate. And then in 14, they say, talking about finding the narrow gate. And I believe that when we find the narrow way or narrow gate, when we find our calling, because Jesus did not promise us an easy life. And that's a lot of times that's what it's preached today. You know, become a Christian and everything will be fine. You know, as well as I know, cross comes with it. Definition of calling. Calling is a divine summons from God to fulfill specific tasks in life on the basis of gifts installed in us by God. A calling is what we are called to do a calling is the thing that we, for which we are created to do. It is the thing or the things we are created to do by God. It is an invitation to perform our lives by the integration, integration of our talents. All of us are equipped with talents in different proportions. You know, some are good at music, some are good at math, accounting, drawing, whatever your talents are. We just don't have just one talent, we have a whole bunch. But the proportion of it is different. And we do those things with the least amount of effort. That's most likely our calling, is to do what we have within us with the least amount of effort. And chances are, God has called you to do that. That's what you're called to do. But this is not limited to just gifts in church, but this is also gifts and life outside. I believe that we are all created for a specific purpose. And if God has created us, only he can tell you what your purpose is. A lot of times, you know, the, the way of the world is follow the money. But when you're a Christian, we follow God. And we have to. And sometimes it's not easy. And only God can tell you every single day what you are created to do. And many times we, we ask people, hey, what do you want me to do with my life? What, which degree do I go for? What career do I choose? Who to marry? My Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Ask him daily. It's not God's will. It's not a one-word answer. It's a every day following him every single day of your life. We don't get a blueprint of our life, you know, to any of us. God has not given a blueprint. Oh, this, you're going to be here, 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 here. And no. He leads us day by day. When you look at the children of Israel who, led, who, who were, uh, God was leading them from, from Egypt to Canaan. He led them every single day. The picture of the Holy Spirit leading them every single day. The fire by night, the cloud by day. It may not be spectacular. Many times we feel like, oh, we need to be like doing mighty things for God. God will call us to do that sometimes, but it's not every day. Sometimes we do small things in the great way. And that's what we are called to do. We, God may call us to do big things. And our mission in life is to fulfill God, what God has called us to do and exit. You know, this person who is the proprietor of 
our faith, Jesus Christ, lived 33 years, 33 and a half years. He did what he did in that small span of time. And he exited. And he's our king. That's who we follow. Thank you, Stanley. Today's passage that I will be teaching from is found in Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Warning. 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 Caution, caution, caution. Beware of who has your ear in this hour. Beware of who you're paying attention to. Beware of who has your sphere of influence. Beware, beware. For the interest of time, we were going to focus on Matthew 7, verses 15 through 17, which reads as follows. Beware. And when the word beware is used, that means pay attention. Take heed. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes? Are figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Let's take a look at the word prophet to understand. The word prophet comes from the Greek word prophetist which is a prophet, their interpreter, or foreteller of the divine will. And the prophetess comes from two Greek words, pro, which means beforehand, and theme, which is elevating or asserting one idea over another, especially through the spoken word. A prophet declares the mind and message of God, which sometimes does predict the future, foretelling, but more commonly speaks of his message in a particular situation. The Greek word for uh, false prophet is pseudoprophetes, which is from pseudes, false, and prophetes. Now, let's look at some characteristics of a false prophet, because you might ask, well, how do I know? First of all, a false prophet is someone pretending to speak God's word, but in fact is phony. They're an imposter. They're acting as a wolf in sheep's clothing. In other words, they may sound pretty. He or she may sound like a Christian. They may speak your language. They may speak your talk. They may appear for a moment to act and behave like a Christian. But you know what? In time, you're going to see their true character's color. Something will happen where you will see that characteristic. Secondly, they specialize in the art and misimpression. Like, how about they were called or commissioned to the Lord? I am the great. I am the great so-and-so. By the Lord to teach, their, teach the word with their message. But they operate for self and for self. Keep that in mind. Number three, they seek to devour. How? By causing people to either believe a lie or to put their trust in some other entity other than following Jesus or his word. More importantly, a false prophet is anyone who does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. That's a big test right there. You don't hear that acknowledgement? And we've seen some false prophets in the past, haven't we? Some of us that are more than 30 years old. <laughs> okay. Jim Jones, some of you may have heard of the Jonestown Massacre in 1978. Literally, this guy started controlling people, taking over, telling them what to do, how to live, and they got so deceived that they took their own lives. Can you imagine that to be so led astray? But yet he had an element of the word, okay? David Koresh, some of you may have more heard of, the Waco, the Branch Davidians, where the soul led astray, where he thought he was, from a direct descendant of David. But each one of these had an element of truth, but they allowed themselves to become deceived and they led others into that deception. And why were those others deceived? Because they did not know the word, okay? 
Now, let's look at how to recognize, you may ask, how to recognize the true from the false. Well, there's uh, five ways. First of all, is the message unbalanced or is it balanced? In other words, the focus of the words of the false prophet, for example, is on one of two extremes, God's love or his judgment. The words of a true prophet are balanced. In other words, they speak about God's love and his judgment because that's the character of God. Secondly, does what the prophets say line up with the word of God? This one is a big, big one, big one. And the only way, guys, you're gonna know is to study. If anything I harp on more than anything else is study, study, study. No, 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 know the word for yourself because if you know the word for yourself, you will not be led astray. You will not be deceived in this hour. You will not, you will not, you will not. It's so important because in order to recognize what is false, you have to know what is true. You have to know that. Third, does it bear witness with your spirit? Let me explain this a moment. In other words, when you're hearing what that prophet or that person is saying, is there an inner witness that is immediate, that like leaps, is it recognized in your soul as positive or is this reaction going, warning, 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 pay attention, something doesn't sound right here. And that's called discernment. That is discernment. And it's discernment is simply this, knowing the difference between what is right and almost right. And the only way you're gonna know that is being in the word. Number four, let's look at the fruit of that individual, okay? A true prophet has the characteristics that line up with the spirit as defined in Galatians 5, 21, 22. While the character of a false prophet is this, there's one or more traits, greedy, abusive, prideful, deceptive, greedy, they control people's time, money, relationships, and 2 Peter 2, 1 and 3, and 2 Timothy 3, 6. Lastly, look at the kind of people that their followers are becoming. Are they more Christ-like? Are they less Christ-like? To sum this up, First of all, make sure what the person is saying lines up with the Word of God, which is the ultimate, the ultimate plumb line, the ultimate measurement, the ultimate standard of whether something is accurate or not. And as a result, it is imperative, it is imperative, it is imperative that we study and know the Word of God. We have to, and also, and cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit, who Jesus sent, who is our teacher. But if we don't come into that place where, uh, where we, in the secret place where we hear the word of the Spirit, if we don't, if we don't come to know the Holy Spirit, how can we know? And both are essential to keep individuals from falling prey to their ways. Take heed or beware of who has your ear in this hour. Because the enemy, the devil, is out to steal and rob you of your calling, of your relationship with God, your purpose, and will use any tactic to keep you from doing so. To sum it up, beware, warning, 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 beware of who has your ear in this hour. All right, thank you. Thank you, Beverly. Good morning, everybody. Well, let me start off by asking you a question. Now, this is a very personal and critically important question. And here it is. If you were to die today, I'm talking this very afternoon, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? Now, this can be a very reassuring question or it can be very frightening. And that's the point. <laughs> In the following passage in Matthew 7, Jesus tells us about some people who apparently thought they were going to heaven. Let's, see, let's have that scripture up. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many 
Let that soak in for a second. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Wow, what an intense scripture. And I personally want to thank Pastor for handing me that, that passage to talk about today. So thank you. He's not paying attention, but... The rest of you pay attention. You can't get off the hook. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. And again, I had that same, I had that reaction. I'm like, wow, but when I started studying it, but first of all, how do we get from Lord, Lord, look at these mighty spiritual acts of faith to depart from me, you workers of lawlessness? Oh my goodness. You know, they're they're showing and they're highlighting their great works, but Jesus gets to the very heart of the matter, which is, I never knew you. Wow. Now, when you think about that, what do you mean he never knew me? Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. If you, if, you know, he knows every hair on your head. He knows your thoughts, your intentions. He knows your desires. He knows your future. How can we say I never knew you because this word know here means something more. The word know in Greek is ginosko. Sounds kind of Russian. <laughs> I hope I don't speak it like Russian. So this means to know, especially through personal experience. I never knew you, right? Firsthand acquaintance. You know, I know about Jesus and maybe Jesus knows about me. <laughs> But this is really to experientially know. And it's also used, and it's used like over 200 times in the New Testament. But Mary used that word when talking to the angel, saying, how can I be with child when I've never known a man? Personal intimacy. So we see here, Jesus is talking about a personal two-way relationship. And believe me, everyone, that's what he's after. You know, when we come to the Lord or we hear about, oh, I have this personal relationship, that's what we want. And that's what he wants too. Okay, so man's desire, our desire is to get into heaven. But is heaven in itself God's ultimate plan for us? What is God after? I mean, think about it. Why did he create us? You know, someone was talking about the big thing of life. Why did he send his son for us? Why did Jesus suffer and die on the cross for us? Why? Why is there forgiveness of sins? I mean, really. Because God's plan is to reconcile us to himself and then to have a personal relationship that is eternal and lasts forever. Let me say that again. God's plan, all that we just, I just said, is to reconcile you to him. There's nothing nothing between you to reconcile you completely and then have this personal relationship that is forever that's really that's really great so that's it that's why you're here to know him that's why we're here we say i want to go to heaven but god wants our heart to say i want to be with him you see the difference there you know if we're honest many like the many in the scripture many of us desire heaven Mostly to avoid hell, okay, if we're honest, right? While God wants us to desire heaven so we'll be in his presence forever. I mean, this is, this is our heart. This is what God has created us for. There's a difference. Let's look at John 17, verse 3. Jesus says, and this is eternal life. He defines it for us, that, you may, that they may know you the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I want to live forever. I want eternal life. There it is. Okay? See, eternal life is not just living forever. It's knowing God. And guess what? That knowing is the same word. Ginosko. Same word. Right there. God wants to share life with us. Just get that through our thick heads. He wants to share his life and life with us. Okay? <laughs> um... So let me, why? Why does he command us now to study his word, 
to renew our minds, to walk in holiness. Why? So he can eradicate and keep every hindrance of our relationship out of the picture. You think he just wants robots? Oh, we're holy. We just do whatever God says. And that's, oh, that's my goal. Look at these people. They do everything I say. They don't think for themselves. Okay, no. He wants to get anything out of the way. And sin, right, will, will block us. Okay. God wants us to experience what Paul says in Philippians 3. That's the next scripture. Everything else is worthless. He was talking about all his good works, kind of like those people in the beginning of the passage. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Guess what? Gnosko. Oh, there it is again. Knowing God, the intimate knowledge of God. Okay? Have you entered into this, that kind of relationship with God? That's a very important question. See, you would know. We all know when we're in a personal relationship. So it's like, uh, if you don't know, then maybe that's the answer. You know, honestly, honestly. Jesus says, unless one is born anew, you've probably heard it, born again. Born of the Spirit, born from above. Those are all ways of translating that. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven, okay? When we accept Jesus in our heart, the miracle, and it's the greatest miracle of all, of new birth occurs. It's impossible for us. Only God can do that. And the scriptures say at that point we're joined with the Lord and we become one spirit with him. And then we have the Holy Spirit within us, within our hearts, bearing witness that we indeed are children of God. Let's look at Galatians chapter four. And because you are sons, Sons, daughters, children. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That really sums it up, doesn't it? That's what some, you know, Abba means really it's a child's daddy. Daddy. That's what our hearts desire. And that is the start of that intimate relationship with God. So in summary, eternal life, knowing God. Knowing God, eternal life. It does not just start when you die and go to heaven. It starts here and now, and it continues through eternity. So let me ask you, do you know him? Does he know you? Princey. All right, I showed up on time this time, guys. <laughs> um, if this was a race, uh, this is the last leg, and I'm gonna finish strong. Um, I did track, I did, was a sprinter, so we're gonna run together here. My focus is on Matthew 7, verses 24 to 29, and there's two themes here. One is building our house on a rock, and the other is the authority of Jesus Christ. So my main title is called God the Builder. No pun intended, but you could take the teacher out of sea kids. You can't take the sea kids out of the teacher. <laughs> so I'm going to focus on two verses. The first verse is verse 25. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. So this is uh, perhaps a reference to Proverbs, specifically Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 9, verses 1 to 18, where it talks about wisdom building a house. How do you build a house? You start from the ground up, right? You don't start with the roof. And, you know, some of you might be thinking, in this economy, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard, right? It's expensive. But another fun fact is in this time, right, in this biblical time, they didn't have basements, right? They didn't have things that can go really into the ground. So you had to build on rock. That was solid. Otherwise, erosion and other things, your house would get swept away. Texas is very interesting. You guys have uh, pretty uh, loose soil as well. So you don't really have basements here. I come from, I hail from New York. So we have bedrock, right? We have sediment. So you have to break the bedrock to be able to build a basement, to build a foundation. So what does that mean? I, I'm gonna encourage you to say, we need to break the rock. Now, 
Peter was often called the rock of the church or specifically the Catholic church. And here I want you to think about the rock as God. So here's my first takeaway. How is the foundation of your faith? See, life is full of hard places. So if I had a subtitle for this, it would be between the rock and the hard places. Storms are gonna come, floods are gonna come, rain is gonna come, wind is gonna come because we live in a fallen world. And it's gonna take money and time to break bedrock, right? And you say, in this economy, and perhaps it's an emotional thing, right? You'll be like, in this trauma, in this loss, in this heartache, how am I supposed to dive deep? And God's saying, you need to. That's foundational. That's how you're gonna build this house. So here's the thing. If your foundation is God, you have a stronger, firmer ground for development. Knowledge is developing your faith. But I wanna say there's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. So the next verse I wanna dive into is verse 29. And it says, for he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. So if my other subtitle for this would be mo knowledge, no power. So here's the thing, what are scribes? Scribes are basically writers. They're listening, they're hearing, they're hearing the orations and then the dictations and they're writing it down. The teachers of the law at that time, the law was their God, you know? They heard the, the Pharisees, they were like, this is what we know, this is what we do, this is what we've done for ages and ages and ages, we're not gonna change that. Jesus flipped that conversation. He brought everything back into the present. He, even here, he's bringing in Proverbs into the present. He's having a conversation. He's diving deeper and he's doing it with authority. That They were like, that's only for the law. Jesus is like, look, you dive deeper. This is, this is in community, right? No one spoke with as much authority as Jesus Christ. And that's amazing. And here is the amazing thing. You have that authority too. So here's my second takeaway. Have you let knowledge build your faith or God? So sometimes, and here's, here's the call out, right, for those seasoned Christians, sometimes we're the scribes. Sometimes we're the Pharisees. Sometimes we're the teachers of the law. Oh, I'm going to learn everything. I'm going to get it all in my head. I'm going to do all this stuff. And, and God's like, for what? If you're not living that out in action, what is the point of your knowledge? I know for me, I'm a, I'm a seasonal Christian. I mean, I'm seasoned, right? I've had generations of faith that built me up. And I've been coasting sometimes on those life lessons, on the faith of my parents and my grandparents. And God is telling me, you need to build a foundation for yourself. So here, this is sometimes where we also get into that worst thinking, right? If we have that knowledge, we'll have control. You know, if I have that finances set, then I can do this. If, if I just gather this, I can do this, I can do that. And God's like, here's the big thing. You're not the builder, okay? You're, you're the place. You're the place where God's investing. We no longer need a high priest to cleanse us because God allows us approach freely. So it's on us to dig deeper and not just to hear it, but do it. And why? Why is all of this? And I have 40 seconds left, but I'm sure some people took more, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go for it. I'm, I'm gonna say it's because of discipleship. You know, we talked about running in a relay race, it's a team sport. This six and six, this is community in action. If you want to build a single living space, you know, just for yourself on the rock, that's fine. You're gonna be okay, remain on the surface. But if you want a multi-generational home, if you want layers, if you want stories, you need to break into that rock. Because strong personal faith, that is amazing, that is good. Be a Pharisee, listen and learn. But when God the builder is asking you to go beyond, he's not limited by your knowledge. Because when God ascended, what came down? A friend to help. It's not just on us, it's God giving us the strength to build bigger and better. And that's what Jesus did, and I love that about Jesus, is that when he came into this world, he didn't just do it himself, he brought people in. He said, disciples, follow me, let's have conversation, let's cohabitate, let's learn together, because at the end of the day, that's what leads to commission. What is church if not a multiple homes coming together and living in community? You're not building for yourself. 
because God is not building just for you. Knowledge is knowing God. Wisdom is sharing God. And if God is our rock, then the church are the spaces between the hard places. So we too have authority beyond our personal faith and beyond these church walls because when God builds, people grow. And I want to encourage for those of you who are just entering to this walk with Christ, who are just thinking about it, come home. Find shelter, find warmth. And for those seasoned Christians, I want you to think bigger. This house is not just for you. It's for people beyond you. It's in your community. It's in your workplaces. It's for everyone you see because that's what Christianity is. It's shared community. Thank you. May God bless you with these words. Wow. Wasn't that awesome? Come on. Amen. That was powerful. Come on. Put your hands together one more time. Give them a good God bless you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Amen. Amen. So good, guys. So good. So good. Wow. Can I tell you, I am a proud pastor. I, I am. I know the Bible says do not be proud, but hey, I am proud right now. I'm sure you guys are relieved that you don't have to hear my voice today, and we actually ended on time. Some of you are like, yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> don't get too happy, because I'm going to do a recap right now. <laughs> Ooh, I told myself I wasn't going to preach today, man, but I'm not. I'm not going to preach. I didn't prepare anything, but wasn't that powerful? Wow. And reminded us about us healing when we're corrected you know sometimes when we're corrected or when there's a word of correction that heads our way we often see it as things that are meant to tear us down but correction can lead to healing and i believe that some of us need that word today that i pray that we will humble ourselves for correction and to correction uh man i pray that we will take to heart what priya reminded us about Asking God for wisdom. Are we sitting in his presence and allowing God to do what he needs to do? Or are we sitting in his presence and just talking the whole time? Hmm. Faith comes into action when we knock is what you reminded us. Stan reminded us about entering the narrow gate and finding purpose. He reminded us about when we enter that gate, we find what our calling, our purpose. When we do small, that, that line literally got me thinking. When we, like, it's not all about doing great things and amazing things. Today was a, was a good example. I told the guys, if somebody gave me six minutes to speak and said, preach a message, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. Like, I need 45 minutes to preach. Like, Pastor Beverly told me that. She's like, are you serious? Six minutes? I need more than that. But he reminded us we can do small things in a great way. And today was a, was a, was a beautiful example of that. With six minutes, the, the, the wisdom that was unpacked today was astronomical. It was powerful. Amen? Are you doing big things with the little time that you have? Are you staying committed to the little things that you have? Pastor Beverly reminded us about being beware, man. Being on our toes. Paying attention. Are we, are we paying attention to what has our attention? Like, I know YouTube has so many endless resources for us. We have so many podcasts. We have so many this pastor and this pastor and this apostle and this bishop and that archbishop. And I'm like, man, like, are you knowing that what you are feeding your soul with has eternal impact on your life? Remember, God placed you in this church for a reason. Be fed in this church. Supplement your study through other things, but God has placed you here. And I'm, I'm not tooting my horn. I'm not saying that I'm the best teacher, but God has you here in this season for a reason. Remember who feeds your soul, who you allow to feed your soul. Whew. I loved when Pastor Beverly reminded us that if we know our word, we will know the difference between right or wrong. It's important to study the word. Just don't read the word. It's important to study the word. Ooh, I wrote this down. This was good. In order to know what is false, 
Come on, fill in the blanks. You have to know what is true. Oh, that is so good. You know, otherwise, what's going to happen? We're just going to say, yes, 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 yes. Feed, feed, feed. I'm going to, anything you hear, you're going to believe. And we are producing Christians that just believe anything. Everything that is pronounced from the stage, Pastor Oshish or not, I pray that we will use discernment. When you know what is right, you can come to me after service and say, Pastor Oshish, you said this, and unfortunately that's not what the Bible says. And I'm willing to be challenged, and I'm willing to ask for forgiveness. And I ask God, God, please give me the ability to discern the word and speak the word with diligence. It's important, guys, to know the word. Use discernment. Know what is right and what is almost right. Whoa, that was good. I don't know about you, but woo, I was so happy when I heard that. Know what is right and what is off, because there's so much that's almost right. And we're like, woo, that sounded good. Whatever sounds good is not right. Come on, some, mm. Eric reminded us that thought, that many people thought that they were going to have it. Can I remind somebody that many of us sitting here think that we're going to go to heaven? This is a wake-up call for so many of us. Many of us, oh, this was good, Eric. Many of us desire heaven to avoid hell. Wow. I'm going to think about this all week today. Like, how many of us desire heaven because the idea of hell sounds scary? That was me growing up as a child. Trust me when I tell you this. That was me growing because the idea that was painted of hell, I was like, I don't want to go there, so I'll go there instead. But when I understand the reality of heaven, I do not have a choice but to embrace the beauty of heaven and say, that's not even a choice. It's not the, 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 the hellishness of hell or, or the, the crudeness of hell or the pain of hell that's going to keep me away. It's the beauty of heaven that attracts me to it and my desire for God that's going to pull me to. Oh, wow, that was beautiful. Ooh. I'm just echoing whatever you said. I'm not preaching. Ooh. Come on. Stand up to your feet. Stand up to your feet. Come on. Wow. Eternal life is knowing God. That was so good. Desire heaven, church, to be with Jesus. Like, Oh, I can't stress about that too much. How many of you desire for heaven and long for heaven? Oh, I'm telling you this. Before I got married, I was like, Lord, just, I want to get married. I want to see who my wife is and then you can come, Lord. Sonia will tell you the same thing. She said, Lord, I just want to get married. I just want to know who I'm marrying. And after she got married, she was like, oh, it's this guy. Fine. Lord, it's, I just want to see what my kids look like. And now that the kids are here, she's like, Lord, I just want to see you. <laughs> How many of you are ready for heaven, y'all? I'm just ready to see what being in the presence of Jesus 24-7 looks like. And I like it when she reminded us this, or when, when Eric reminded us this, you're either in a relationship or not. You can't be in between. Like, I don't know how many of us are confused. Facebook forever had this thing, right? Do, do you remember that, that time when Facebook was like, was like in a relationship, out of a relationship, and then there was something in between? What was it, anybody? Huh? Complicated. It's complicated. Whenever somebody updated their Facebook profile to say it was uncomplicated, gossip would start everywhere. Like, what's going on over here? If somebody comes up to you and says, are you married? You're like, mm. <laughs> today, <laughs> I don't know about yesterday, but today, <laughs> like so many of us are like that with our relationship with God. And God's like, really? Like how many of us can be certain and say, yep, I do have a relationship with God and I know that I'm going to heaven. Wow. Oof. He came in the bottom of the ninth and she reminded us, and asked us the question, how is the foundation of your faith? She talked to us about the bedrock and how it's going to take effort and money to break through the bedrock. She asked us that question, are we allowing knowledge to build our faith or is God building it? That was good, y'all. 
Are you living out your faith? Are we just talking about it? Or are we living it out? Like, don't go off the foundation that your parents built. That's a dangerous foundation to build on. I pray that each one of us will have a personal relationship with Jesus, that you and I are praying it every single day. We are fasting. We are building our relationship. And the foundation that we're on, we know is a strong foundation, not one that was built by generations before. And man, that question should he asked us was good. Are we building this single story or this multi-generational home that is going to last for generations to come? Oh man, this is good. She finished by saying, knowledge is knowing God. Wisdom is sharing God. Don't just keep it to yourself. What we heard today was just nuggets of wisdom and weeks and weeks of preparation that these people have been sitting in the presence of God and receiving. And I pray that you will not take it for granted, but you will take it this week. And I hope some of you all took notes because I, could, I took copious notes and I believe that this word was from God. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.